0: Well, hey everybody, my name's Luke Simmons. I'm one of the pastors and part of our preaching team. And over these next couple weeks, we're gonna be walking through Psalm 23. What an amazing thing to see all those faces, to hear all those voices as people from all nine congregations read and recited Psalm 23. There's a reason this Psalm is so important and so popular and so well-loved. I'm curious for you, what if somebody found your journal and read it? What would they find? Imagine that you have a prayer journal. right? Some of you have that. You regularly write down your prayers in some kind of journal. And and you think, man, oh my goodness, I would be horrified if somebody found that. I don't want anybody reading that stuff. That is private. That is sensitive. That's my own stuff. I don't want other people reading it. Others of you would go... If you find a prayer journal of mine, great, because I've never had one, so I don't know where that would be. Uh, Maybe you're like me, right? I've got a house filled with journals that all look like this. The first couple pages that are written in the first few days of January, they're filled with prayers, they're filled with goals, they're filled with ideas in the first few pages. And then the rest of it is just blank. Lots and lots of blank journals. Well, what if you stumbled on a journal, a prayer journal, of somebody who'd walked with the Lord for decades? What if you stumbled on the prayer journal of, a, of an elderly saint, someone who'd walked with the Lord for, for many, many years? I think about someone like Ravi Zacharias. We lost him this week. The great apologist and defender of the faith, that guy who as a young man was ready to commit suicide and the Lord met him and he walked with God for over 50 years, just went home to be with the Lord this week. What if you found a prayer journal filled with, Ravi Zacharias's prayers. Well, what if you found a prayer journal for someone like David? That guy who, when he was a boy, he was the youngest of eight sons. His father was elderly. Don't know how much he was able to play with him and be around him because he was so much older. He grew up as a musician, as a shepherd boy, beat up by his older brothers, all of a sudden thrust into the limelight because of his courage against Goliath. He ends up becoming king He ends up having great and astounding victories and horrifying defeats. Well, what if you read his journal? What would you find? Well, here's what you'd find. You'd find the Psalms. The Psalms are the prayer journal of the people of God. And so many of the Psalms are written by David. And when you read it, you find some Psalms are like Psalm 22, the one that comes before this. Psalm 22 begins, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Maybe that's where you are today, feeling forsaken by God, feeling alone, feeling like in the midst of your trouble, God has walked away. Other Psalms are more victorious. They're like Psalm 24, the one that comes next. It begins by saying, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. It says, who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. It's triumphant. It's victorious. Maybe that's where you are today. Well, how do you get from Psalm 22 to Psalm 24, my God, where are you? My God, you're victorious. How do you get there? You get there through Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And when you read Psalm 23, what you find is it sounds like the prayer journal of someone who's reflecting on what it's like to walk with God through many, many years, facing trials, facing difficulties, and through it all, experiencing God as a shepherd. So that's what we're going to look at over these next few weeks, is what does it look like to have God as our shepherd? And we're going to see today that this shepherd is going to give us a number of things from this passage. This shepherd gives us relationship, this shepherd gives us rest, and this shepherd gives us righteousness. That's where we're going to go. So let's pray together. Let's ask God's help as we go to his word. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how it teaches us and encourages us. And strengthens us. And God, I pray that now we would hear your word and believe it, that we would find ourselves comforted deeply by the reality that you are our shepherd. We pray that to you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, first, the shepherd gives us relationship. God, as our shepherd, gives us relationship. Look at what it says in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. You know, there's a sweet irony to David calling God his shepherd. A couple of reasons. One reason is David knew what it was like to be a shepherd. He'd grown up shepherding his father's flocks, taking care of them, protecting them, sleeping out with them, leading them into paths of of food and protecting them from wildlife. He knew what it was like to literally be a shepherd. But David also knew what it was like to be a king. And throughout the Old Testament, throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, what you find is that over and over, the kings of Israel are called the shepherds of Israel. They're the ones that are supposed to feed and protect and lead and guide the people of Israel. So David is saying, I know what it's like to be a shepherd. I know what it's like to be a king. And you know what? You know who the true shepherd is? You know who the true king is? He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Fascinating. The very first words, the Lord, they're in all caps there. The Lord, it's that Hebrew name of God that means I am who I am. It means that the Lord is self-sufficient. The Lord is strong. The Lord is independent. The Lord is mighty. The Lord is holy. There is no one like him. And David says, this Lord, this all-sufficient, totally independent, totally high and above everyone else, this Lord is my shepherd notice he says the lord is my shepherd he doesn't say the lord is a shepherd he doesn't say the lord is the shepherd he says the lord is my shepherd i can always tell when it comes to our church when someone has moved over from being kind of a spectator of our church family to an owner of our church family because their language shifts, right? When someone first starts coming to our church, they often say, oh, I really like your church or I, I, I really wonder how you guys are thinking about things. But when someone becomes an owner, they say, I love my church, I love our church, I'm so excited about how our church is making a difference. And that shift in language is significant. It says there's a, there's a new kind of relationship happening here and that's what David does, the Lord is my shepherd. Let me ask you, is the Lord your shepherd? Is the Lord your shepherd? Are you a spectator of God? Or have you actually entered into relationship with him, into closeness with him, where you can look at him and say, God, you are my shepherd. You take care of me. You protect me. You look out for me. You are my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. It's a term of relationship. And because the Lord is my shepherd, he says, I shall not want I shall not want. Now, the reason that the ESV translates it this way, I shall not want, is because this is how the King James translated it. And Psalm 23 is such a famous verse that it says, I shall not want. And we hear that and think, oh, I shall not want, means I I shouldn't have any desires. That's not what it means. It's kind of the old English idea of, "I, I shall not want for anything, which is more the idea, like it says in the NIV, I lack nothing. Or the CSB says, I have what I need. This phrase, I shall not want, is saying, I don't, it's not saying I don't have desires. It's saying I don't have lack. I don't have things that I need that I don't have. I don't have things that God says are important that I don't have. Like I'm not missing anything. If I have God as my shepherd, I have it all. I have everything I need. When I was a kid, I don't know how old I was. I was probably seven or eight years old, maybe. And my dad was going back to school to get his teaching certificate. And while he was doing that, he had a job working at the batting cages uh, just a few blocks from our house. And so he worked there. And I tell you what, when you're a little kid who plays baseball, that is a dream come true, that your dad would manage the batting cages. Because what it meant was, I could go to the batting cages and I could hit as many rounds as I wanted. I had so many tokens at the batting cages that that not only did I hit balls, but I actually would strap on the catcher's gear and practice just catching balls. And it was crazy because other kids would come and they would look and they'd be like, How is he doing this? How does he have all these tokens, right? They're thinking about all the money that they have to save up or that their parents are spending so that they could have tokens to just hit a couple rounds at the batting cage. And there I am just hitting round after round after round, tokens falling out of everywhere. Why could I do that? Because the batting cage manager was my dad. Well, when the Lord is your shepherd, when the Lord is my shepherd, you have no lack. Doesn't mean you have everything you want but it does mean you have everything that the Lord thinks you need. He's abundant and he's gracious. And because of this new relationship that we have with God, we can trust that he's enough for us. Is the Lord your shepherd? Have you begun that relationship with him? Well, there's a second thing that the shepherd gives us. And the second thing the shepherd gives us is rest, is rest. Verse 2 and the beginning of verse 3 are, are all phrases that describe the kind of rest that this shepherd, God, gives us. It says this, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. I just want to look at each of those phrases and show you how they communicate that God is giving us rest. First, he says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. All right? Sheep need rest. Green pastures, they need grass to be able to eat. But here's the thing, sheep rarely lay down unless they feel totally at ease. There's a great little book by a guy named Philip Keller. It's called A Shepherd's Look at the 23rd Psalm. And Keller was not only a pastor, uh, but he was also a shepherd for a number of years. And he, so what he does is he takes his experience as a shepherd, interacting with sheep, and says, how does that experience inform how we understand the psalm? It's, it's actually really fascinating. And here's what he, he points out that there's actually four things that a, 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 an individual sheep has to be free from in order to feel comfortable to lie down he says that a sheep first has to be free of fear. If a sheep has any kind of sense that there's a threat around, it won't lie down. Second, a sheep has to be free from friction, friction with other sheep and other distractions, and there has to be just kind of a a seamless, relaxed kind of experience for a sheep to lay down. Third, the sheep has to be free of pests, right? If it's just barraged by insects and other things that are bothering it, it it can't relax, it can't calm down, and it won't lay down. And fourth, A sheep has to be free of hunger. It has to take its fill of the grass, but then be satisfied and be able to relax. And only then, only when a sheep can really relax, will it lay down. And so this verse says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He lies me down. This isn't saying that I don't wanna lay down and God is making me lay down, lay down, darn it. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, no, no, no. God creates such a situation of rest around me where I feel comfortable laying down, I feel secure, I feel at peace, I feel satisfied. And because I feel that way with God, I can, I can rest. He says next, he leads me beside still waters. Now this is a fascinating thing when you think about sheep as well, right? We, we picture this, he leads me beside still waters. Oh, that sounds so tranquil, and that sounds so peaceful, and it is, but if you actually think about it, which would be better for a sheep to drink? Moving water or still water? It's not that hard to figure out. It's moving water, right? Moving water is cleaner. Moving water is fresher, right? If you just picture the difference between a a running little river versus a stagnant pond, right, you see that the running river is way fresher. And yet here's the thing. Sheep, because they're so nervous, uh, they won't drink the rushing moving water. They'll only drink the still water. Even though it's worse for them, they just won't feel comfortable unless they get still water. So, oftentimes, what shepherds have to do is they actually have to dam up the moving water to make it where it's still. Here's what a good shepherd does a good shepherd accommodates the weaknesses of his sheep. And this is what it's saying God does the same thing for us. He leads us beside still waters. He creates the circumstances so that we can have rest, so that we can have peace, so that we can. Be refreshed in his presence. Next picture of rest is the beginning of verse 3. It says, He restores my soul. This word soul is a Hebrew word that not only can be translated as soul, but can be translated as throat or breath or life. He restores my my breath. He restores my life, right? The the idea that when God breathes life into somebody, He He breathes that, right? There's, There's air associated with it. He restores my soul. I love how Eugene Peterson paraphrases this in the message. He says it this way. He says, you let me catch my breath. You let me catch my breath. I've read that a number of times over these last days and almost been moved to tears thinking about how so much of this life right now feels like I'm out of breath. Some of you that are experiencing anxiety are feeling, there's these moments where it's just tight in your chest, and there's a kind of pit in your gut, and it feels tight, and it feels heavy, and it feels burdensome. The uncertainty, the, the, the difficulty, the pain, the loss, the anger, the frustration, it all feels heavy, it feels suffocating. And this says, You let me catch my breath. God is inviting us into a life of of rest. Now get this, not a life of ease, not a life free from anxieties or free from suffering, but a life that is so surrounded by his strong shepherding presence that in the midst of those things, we can still catch our breath and have peace. God gives us relationship. God gives us rest. And finally, our shepherd gives us righteousness. Righteousness. It says at the end of verse three, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads me towards what's best, just like a shepherd who has sheep that are prone to wander and prone to drift off and prone to go in the wrong direction. That's how we are with God. And God says, no, 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 I'm going to restore you. I'm going to help you catch your breath. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to guide you. And I'm going to lead you down a path that is best for you. God gives us guidance. God gives us purpose. He does this all for his name's sake. God knows what's best. He made us. He's for us. He loves us. He laid his life down to redeem us. And so he sets us on a path of righteousness. And he says, this is the way to blessing. There's a number of times when my kids will give my wife or I some sort of gift and uh, they always like to do it the same way. Or sometimes, like the other day, uh, one of my kids did something, Mary did something in her room that was just like kind of a cool thing she'd set up in her room. And she said, Daddy, I want to show this to you. And so, so she comes, and, and she, here's what she does. She goes, Daddy, um, close your eyes and give me your hand right? And I'm on one side of the house, and so I'm closing my eyes, and she's leading me through the house. Now, uh, I know my way around the house, so I feel pretty comfortable with my eyes shut, but, but she's leading me, and she's saying, hey, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk you toward this gift that I want to show you, toward this, this thing that I made that I think you'll really like. That's how I picture God doing this. There's times when we don't feel like we can see, we don't really know what's best, and God takes us by the hand. He says, trust me, follow me, walk with me, I'll lead you toward what's best. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. God gives us relationship, God gives us rest, and God gives us righteousness. Now you might be sitting there thinking, well goodness sakes, that just sounds like wishful thinking. I mean, that sounds great, but, but how do I know that that's really who God is? And how do I know that that's really what God wants? I mean, my life feels like God's against me, and my, God, my life feels like God doesn't like me. And, and how do I know that God really wants to give me relationship and rest and righteousness? How do I know that? Here's how I know that. Because God came in the flesh as a good shepherd, and his name was Jesus. Jesus called himself the good shepherd. And I just want you to listen to some things that Jesus did and Jesus said that reveals that he's really the shepherd that we're looking for. There was this moment where Jesus was looking out at this huge crowd that he'd been teaching And it said that he felt burdened for them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd and they didn't have food and it it was getting late in the day and he wasn't, no one was sure what they were going to do. And so here's what it says in Mark chapter six. It says, then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties and taking the five loaves And the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces. That's all that was left over. And of the fish and those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. This passage is designed to make us think, oh, Jesus is the good shepherd the green grass, the full baskets. He's overwhelmingly providing for what we need. Jesus said this in Matthew eleven twenty-eight: 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He said in John 6, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. And he said in John 10, verse 11, I am the good Shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. God did not stay high and lifted up as a king, but he came humble in the person of Jesus gentle and lowly in heart so that we could find rest for our souls. And he was the truly good shepherd, the one who laid his life down for the sheep so that we could have relationship with him, so that we could have rest in him, and so that we could be led into a life and a path of righteousness with him. The Lord is our shepherd. Because the Lord is our shepherd, we have relationship, we have rest, we have righteousness, and we have confidence that even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear evil because he is with us. And that's what we're going to look at next week. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your relationship with us. Thank you for the rest that you offer, that we can cease our striving and our chasing after the wind that we can find our rest in you. God, thank you for the righteousness that you give us in Jesus and the righteousness that you lead us toward as we follow him and obey him and trust him. And God, you know what's best for us. And so could we trust ourselves to you as our good shepherd? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.